welcome to the Midlife with Careers podcast. I'm your host, Kim Benoit, and every week I share stories of women just like you, amazing women over 40 who have found their courage to live life on their terms. These beautiful women have found the confidence to take on midlife like rock stars. They share their stories to inspire and encourage you to find your courage, build your confidence, and start living every moment. Remember, if you enjoy this podcast, please remember to show me some love and leave a review. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Midlife with Courage. I'm Kim Benoit, your host, and I'm so happy to have you here. I'm also very happy to have my guest here uh, today. Her name is Sarah Davenport. Welcome to Midlife with Courage, Sarah. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Sarah is an award-winning journalist, and she decided to make a pivot, and we're going to talk about all that, but why don't you just first introduce yourself, tell us where in the world you are, and kind of what you're doing right now. Sure. So I'm actually in good old hot Houston, Texas. So it really doesn't matter when you listen to this because it will probably be hot, even <laughs> if it's December or August. So yes, I'm in good old hot Houston, Texas, and we've been here for gosh, coming on, I think 18 years. Uh, I'm originally from the Northeast, from the Philadelphia area. So I was a Northeastern Philly girl turned uh, Southern darling, I guess. And one of my kids went to his first country music concert the other day, which cracks me up after I grew up, you know, in Philly, oh, like wow. Smith area, you know? Yeah. So I'm raising a bunch of Texans now. I've got four boys and they are true and true Texans. Oh, that's awesome. I love Texas. I My brother lives down there. So I just, I love everything about it. Well, mostly everything, not the Dallas Cowboys. Um. <laughs> Me either. We got that in common. <laughs> oh, good. Awesome. <laughs> so Sarah, before we jump into it, I always want to ask this question. If there was a scent that you could bottle up and take with you wherever you go, what would that scent be? Hmm. I would say this sounds crazy, but we spend part of our summer in the Adirondack Mountains in upstate New York, and we will fly into Newark, which has its own special scent, and then <laughs> drive about five hours north to our cabin in the woods. And when I open up the door for the first time and I step out and just the pine trees and the oaks and the maples just all hanging over the cabin, and when you inhale and the evergreens that you smell, that scent because I cherish that every year when I open up the door for the first time, I just inhale and it's, it is peaceful. It is calming. It is joyful. It is, it's summer for me. And so that's what I would bottle up. Beautiful. I love that. You painted a wonderful picture there for me. <laughs> I love it. Good. Awesome. You achieved your dream of becoming a TV news anchor in a top 10 market, no less. And then you won all the awards, you covered all the stories, and then you decided you needed to find a plan B. So let's jump into it and tell us about, about your story. Absolutely. So interestingly, I'm actually the daughter of one of the first TV anchors that were female in America. So my mom was a television anchor starting in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and she pivoted out in the mid 90s when she realized that TV news was really changing. If you think back, you know, way back then, you had long form true journalism. Like you could tell a story over seven, eight minutes. You may or may not know this, but most um, stories that are shared now are about 40 seconds to a minute five. And a minute five is long. A minute and a half, that's an eternity in TV news. So imagine that you're getting the biggest news story and you have to consume it in that short time and the, or you have to share it in that short time. So it's really, journalism has changed drastically in the last 30, 40 years. She saw that change coming. She wanted out. And she told me, really, it, 
you shouldn't get into this industry. This just is not what you think it is. And like a great daughter, I didn't listen. And I got into TV, right? <laughs> and I jumped in and I made my way up to Houston, Texas. So number eight size market. It's 4 million people here wow. that are viewers in the area. And I thought this was going to be my dream. Like this was it. I had made zero money in my first job in upstate New York, made a little bit more money in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I made it to Houston, six figures, bought the house, the cars, the boat, had the baby, had the live-in nannies. And I was miserable. And it was not what I thought it was going to be. I was miserable, not just because um, I didn't love doing the morning show because I woke up at 2 a.m. I mean, let's be honest, no one really oh. loves that. And you never get used to it, by the way. If I anyone would not think ever, so. Right. If anyone ever tells you like you'd be, you know, oh, you'll get used to that, that shift. That's a lie. Your body's <laughs> not meant to wake up at 2 a.m. And your body's not meant to go at six o'clock to bed when your kids are out playing in the pool and running around and you feel like the redheaded stepchild, like being forced away to go to sleep and not have any fun or something. So it got old pretty quickly, but I knew that um, I was going to need to pivot probably sooner rather than later. And I was in my thirties at the time, my mid thirties. And most journalists don't realize that you're going to have to find a second career in your thirties or forties, because it's never going to pay what you want it to pay. And the, with the changes in journalism, it is the demands they're asking on you, you're now doing three or four people's jobs. Most other companies, their salaries go up maybe just a little every year. TV is actually going down. You're making less money, doing more work. And it's not the glamour that you thought it was or thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. I told you this earlier when we talked a while ago that I was going to be a journalist. I wanted to be the TV news anchor and quickly decided after I got through college or kind of during college that nah, that's not what I wanted to do. But what was kind of the biggest surprise to you that you you expected, like the glamour or something? What was the biggest surprise you think? I would say the biggest surprise is that you are never off. You know, most jobs have a nine to five. You clock out at five, you go home. Or you leave your work on your desk and you go home. If you're a reporter in the news industry, you may go to work at 9 a.m. and you pitch your story in the editorial meeting. You go, I've got this great story. And your boss goes, nope don't want to cover that. And you're like, okay. So then you got to go find something else or they give you something that maybe you don't love. And you go out on the streets and you've got to put the interview together and you're getting different viewpoints. And then they call you and go, Hey, breaking news. We still need that story, but you got to go somewhere else. Then you're going to do a second story, possibly a third. You're trying to write in your news vehicle while your cameraman's driving. If you're lucky enough that you have a cameraman today, because most of the time reporters have to shoot and edit and write and report all on their own for like no money. That's a wow. whole other thing. But um, when I started, I at least had a photographer who would drive me around, shoot and edit, and I would write and I would report. But then you would get back to the news station, get ready to go on the air. And you're exhausted by the time you're done. It's because you probably went on at five and at 5.30 and at six. And at 6.30, you're like, whew, you got to get home. And you get home and you want to be that present parent. You want to go make dinner and hang out, but you've got to find a new story for tomorrow or a couple. So you don't get shot down in the morning meeting again. And then you spend all night scrolling on your phone and through the internet, trying to find something new. There's you're not off. And then you've got breaking news, right? Hurricane comes through Houston, tornado, you know, mass shooting, God forbid, like you were called out at any time, put in any scary situation because it's breaking news. Mm -hmm. So there's no traditional nine to five when it comes to TV. 
And I knew that because my mom had been in it, but I didn't realize how it was just spiraling out of control now that they've added on the internet and you have to put out web content along with doing all this stuff for live TV, you're in charge of web content too. So it's, there's so much that goes into it and people think, oh my gosh, it'd be so fun to go out and talk to some people and stand in front of the TV camera and tell them what you found. I wish that, but that's not how it works. Right. I feel burned out just listening to all that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that the statistic you said with having to put a story from, I mean, you went from Mm -hmm. 78 minutes to just a minute or less Mm -hmm. that, I mean, I get it, but I didn't realize it was that short, but now when I think about it, I'm like, wow, because our, our attention spans are so short now Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they want to cram in as much as possible. So truly, I mean, if you have a really big lead story, it might be a minute, 30 minute, 40, if you are lucky. And that is the big lead story. But when I talked about being out on two or three different stories, that second or third, that might be not as quote important in your news director's eyes or in your executive producer's eyes, just getting 30 to 40 seconds. So I always felt bad when I'd show up on a scene to do an interview and they're like rolling out the red carpet and they're like, talk to this person. I'm like, okay. And I know it's going to be 30 seconds long, 45 seconds that they let me include a, you know, five to 10 second part of an interview. That's it. So, you know, a lot of people go, well, I watched myself on TV and I thought it was going to be so much more and I'm disappointed. Trust me, the reporter's probably disappointed that they couldn't tell more either, but it's just the confines of news and the industry and the, if it bleeds, it leads and more, more, more shove in more in the newscast in a shorter amount of time. Yeah. Is there also like, you want to be the first to get the story out? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If it's a big story, you want to be the first, you you want to scoop the competition. It is a little harder to get a, you know, breaking news. You're not going to necessarily scoop the competition. You might be the first on air and that is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's a race to get there, right. To get there first and to cover it first. And in Houston, we've got helicopters. When I worked in upstate New York, we did not, you know, there were no Uh, choppers by station in a tiny market. Bigger cities have that um, ability. Sure. Tell us what finally was the straw that broke the camel's back and said, this is not working. I need to change plan B. Well, I think it was accumulation of things because a lot of folks that I coach, so I now coach journalists who are ready to get out of television, who are tired of being tired, who are tired of waking up at crazy hours, tired of trying to find new stories, tired of doing 10 people's jobs. Like they're just tired. So I understand because for me, it took a while to finally say enough and it it builds up over time. And I find that to be true with all of the, all of the TV journalists that I work with because it's your identity, right? I mean, this is all I ever wanted to do from the time I was little. How could I pivot? What am I going to do? I mean, this is who I am to my core. I'm a storyteller. I'm a journalist. Like what else is there? So for me, part of it was what was going on at home. Um, I had two children. I now have four, but I had two children at the time. I realized that I was not a present parent. I realized I was spending more time with my co-anchor and my cameraman than I was with my kids. I wanted to chase my kids and not chase hurricanes. I wanted to be the room mom. Okay. I've been room mom now plenty of, I don't ever want to be room mom again. If anyone from my school's listening, like been there, (laughs) done that. No more Valentine's parties planning for me. Um, So I wanted to be room mom. I just wanted to be the one that my kids went to. And I mentioned I had nannies that lived with us full time. And you think, oh, oh, that's extravagant. It's not. And here's why. If you're called out on a hurricane at two in the morning and your husband's traveling for business, 
where do your kids go if you're not in a town where you have family? Because in TV, you move based on like my contract would be up and I'm moving to a different NBC station or a different market. Most of the time I didn't have family. So daycares aren't open at 2 a.m., right? Mm -hmm. um, and you have to drop them and go fast. You can't drive to the only one open an hour away, right? So mm -hmm. it's very difficult as a mom to stay in the industry long-term. And those who do really make a huge sacrifice. And I'll be honest, I lied to myself all the time. Oh, it's not a big deal. I'm sure that was where his first steps I saw. Oh, it's not a big deal. You know, my, my husband's going to go watch him in the school play. And I know it was a big deal because I was the daughter of a TV anchor. I know what my mom missed and I didn't want to do the same thing to my kids. So as they got older, I realized I really needed to be there for them. And I needed to be there for me. I wanted to be that present parent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've heard that from so many of my guests. Like they had all the big like things you think would be so wonderful and they are, but then the really important things are like going, no, no, over here. And they are so much happier after they make that change. So what kind of tools did you use to make that change? Because you're doing quite a few different things right now. <laughs> I call myself a multi-passionate entrepreneur. And I am because I think those of us who are in journalism and really in so many industries, we have so many things that we're good at. We just don't necessarily go for them. The richest place in the world is a cemetery because that's where people have died and all their dreams still are that never came like amazing ideas, amazing concepts. It's all there in the cemetery because they, they didn't go for it. I didn't want to be that person that died with one ounce of potential left in me. So that's why I'm just so gung-ho, not only building my dreams and building my family's dreams, but also I'm very passionate about helping others design a life that they love and not live a life by default. And by that, I mean, the alarm goes off at 7 a.m., you get the kids' lunch ready, you go drop them off, you go to work, you come home at five, did it, repeat, next day, next day, oh, it's the weekend. And then Monday, pit in your stomach, start all over. That's a life by default. Mm -hmm. and, and that's okay. The truth is most Americans are living that life. But I encourage people to stop for a minute and go, is this what I want? Is this a true life? Robin Sharma says, and I'm going to quote him badly, but um, don't live the same life. Don't live the same year 75 times in a row and call it a life. And when you think about that, you're like, oh right? It kind of yeah. hits you in the heart and between the eyeballs and you're like, oh, okay. So am I living the same year over and over and calling this a life? And that's not what I wanted to do. So I tell people, my goal is to help you design a life you love because that's what I have done. I did a lot of work to figure out what is it that I'm passionate about outside of TV news? There's so many passions and so many dreams that we had. And in kindergarten, nothing against kindergarten teachers, but in kindergarten, they're like, Sarah, stop daydreaming out of the window. Danny, come on, start focusing, you know? And so we're not daydreaming anymore. We're just working for whatever's next and whatever's next, whatever they tell us is next. I encourage people to really take some time. For me, it's in the Adirondack Mountains with that amazing smell when I open up the door, the car door after that long drive. And I love sitting on my front porch, sitting on the dock by the water, sitting on some big boulders on the side of our bank as you're looking over the water and at the mountains, and figure out what is it that you want. And I'm looking to the side, there's a book called five, and it's kind of like five things to do in the, or things to do in the next five years that you want to accomplish. There's also a book called the one thing 
Like what is the one thing to get you where you want to go? And then maybe use that book called five to sort of plan out what are your goals and dreams over the next five years? That's what I see is lacking for so many people. Mm -hmm. Instead, we get home from work and we numb it with Netflix. People numb it with, you know, alcohol or food or whatever it may be. And listen, I have been there and have done all those things. I've done it all. Mm -hmm. So I'm not calling the kettle black here. Like I've done it. And I realized that that's never going to get you closer to a life that you love to do that. You got to spend some time with you. You got to figure out who you are, right? You had dreams as a kid. I'm going to do this and that. But now that you're 30, 40, 50, 60, it doesn't matter because you can pivot at any time. Mm-hmm. You need to get clear on who you are, who your passions are, what are your values and what are your skills and how do they all line up? And when you spend that time, because what I find when people talk about pivoting, they say, oh, I got to get my resume together. I, you know, I think I'm interested in this. I'm just going to go for it. And then they jump in and they go to the next thing. And six months later, they're miserable again because they actually never figured out what they want, what they're good at. Because you could be good at some things, but you don't want to do it. Like I'm really good at deadlines. In TV, you show up at work and you have to be on the air at, you know, I would anchor the six and 10 o'clock news, six and 11 o'clock news in New York. I had a deadline. It had to be done by six. You couldn't go on the air and be like, hey, so our stories aren't done. Let me tap dance because we got a minute and 40 to fill for the main story that didn't make it. And then, oh, we got a 30 second story, didn't make it. Like that doesn't happen, right? So I'm really good at deadlines. Journalists are really good. But what if you don't want to do that anymore? What if you don't want crazy deadlines? Or the deadline could be a month out, right? Like there's so many um, businesses I've talked to. They're like, well, we'd love for you to do this. Now we got deadlines. It's like three weeks down the road. I'm like three weeks, as long as it's not like 30 minutes from now, like I can do that. That's easy. (laughs) Right. But you have to decide, like you may have a skill, but maybe you don't want to do that anymore. Maybe you don't want to use that skill that you have. And maybe you will down the road, but there are no absolutes like, oh, I have to do this or I have to. No, you know, you don't, you get to choose what your life looks like. You do. And if you're like, well, Sarah, you don't understand like money's tight. Do you know since the pandemic, how many opportunities there are to earn money that really weren't around pre-pandemic? And I say that because people weren't used to Zoom. They weren't used to online digital courses. They weren't, these things really didn't exist or weren't used as often, or people didn't know that much about how to do them. That's why I say, gosh, there's with online digital courses, you can learn almost anything that you want to do through an online course right? Or a podcast. I have taught myself how to create an online course and my podcast is going to be starting this summer. I've got a book coming out in August. All these things I've taught myself or I've paid somebody to teach me, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want it badly enough, if you need extra money now, there are so many ways to do it and you can find those ideas and find those things online and then design that life you love because maybe you don't need a 40 our work week for 40 years to retire with a $40 watch. Maybe that's not what you want. Maybe you want to design a life where you've got different streams of income coming in. Cause you know, they say most millionaires have seven streams of income. Well, why can't you? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. So and anyway. I like that you on your website, you talk about that having multiple streams of income. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, yes. Absolutely. I think that's important. Yeah. Um, so- I really believe that we can't just rely on one job any day these days, right? You just, Mm -hmm. 
you don't know when layoffs are coming. Gosh, I'm on LinkedIn daily. That's actually my favorite platform to play on, my favorite social media platform. People look at me like I have three eyeballs, like what? LinkedIn? <laughs> and they say that because they don't understand LinkedIn. They think it's just a job posting site or like I haven't been on in 10 years. Guess what? I hadn't either, but that was one skill that I was going to up-level myself in because I knew that was going to pay off down the road. And I did that during the pandemic. I'm like, I am going to become a LinkedIn expert. I'm going to figure this out and find a way to monetize it, which is what I did. So I love LinkedIn for me, Facebook and Instagram, like, and TikTok, I'm too old to be dancing around to music and trying to get people's attention and pointing at things. And like, that is just not me, but some people love that. Again, find out what your passion is. I know that is not my passion. That is not authentically me. It doesn't align with who I am. So when you talk about multiple streams of income, what aligns with who you are? For me, I'm very passionate about health and wellness products. Uh, My husband is an eight-year cancer survivor of colon cancer. And when he was diagnosed, we really switched our outlook on life, what we eat, what we do, um, based on all of that. Because colon cancer, for many people who are diagnosed young, it's a lifestyle disease. So you are sedentary, eat a lot of red meat, drink alcohol, especially beer, um, and you just it's something that you, you may be predisposed genetically, and that's just going to kind of tip it over the edge. And that's where my husband was. And we made a massive switch and we're so blessed being in Houston, Texas, that MD Anderson is here and he was able to get in quickly. They were able to do the surgery and the chemo and he's healthy today. And that for me, I count my blessings every single day for that. But when we went through that, I mean, it's funny, right before we jumped on this podcast, I walked into his office because we both work from home. And I handed him a drink. He goes, oh, good. You've got my greens. Thanks. So, I mean, he's got his greens shot every day with his probiotic and his prebiotic and his digestive enzyme and all the things that he needs. So I sought out a company that aligned with what we were looking for, right? As far as social selling goes and network marketing. I am a big proponent of finding a network marketing business. I think everyone should have one um, that you are passionate about. Like if you, okay, I burn toast. I am a horrible cook. I could never do like a pampered chef or something because that would be inauthentic to who I am. I mean, I I can't, I I don't know how to use a garlic press. I don't know how to use a stone or any, like it just, it's not me. I'm really good with takeout. So um, find something that you love because everyone should add a 1099 to your W2. I'm so passionate about that because when my husband had cancer and I was by his side um, in the hospital and for months, not, you know, quote unquote working, First of all, if I had been in TV, I wouldn't have been able to do that. But my business ran without me being there. And I got checks monthly, residual income. If you don't understand residual income, do some reading on that. Uh, You'll walk through a brick wall once you understand residual income. So that's just one of the buckets that I believe in. Um, I also believe when you do have extra finances to really get into um, extra property, whether you're looking to VRBO a home, whether you're looking for rental property, because that also is a residual income. So I believe in making these buckets of income, both residual and linear income. And most people don't understand. They're like, okay. And they're probably ready to tune out. Don't worry. I'm going to explain it in layman's terms, what that means, linear and non-linear. So non-linear income would be that residual income. Maybe you can sing, right? Justin Bieber, he sang a song 10 years ago and he's still making money. That's residual income. J.K. Rowling wrote Harry Potter decades ago, and she still makes money, right? Residual income. Mm -hmm. Could you write an ebook? Like, what do you know? What are you passionate about that you could put out there? 
and make residual income. If your podcast gets big enough, right? And you have the advertising that's on there, that's residual income. Uh, network marketing, social selling, brand affiliates. Do you know that right now Nike and Nordstrom just started adding brand affiliates? Guess what? That's basically what network marketing is, P.S. You know, they've oh, just been doing yeah. it longer. Of course. Word of mouth, right? Word of mouth advertising. But now everybody's getting in on it. That's great. You have got a code, throw it up on your Instagram or your Facebook and you get paid each week. And that's from all those companies, including network marketing. Again, find different streams. Now, linear income would be more, you show up for work, and you get paid for that work completed. So for me on LinkedIn, I love teaching people about LinkedIn. That's more linear. So I'll do, I'll teach them or I'll help them level up their LinkedIn. Like you're like, gosh, I don't even know where to start, but I know I need a new job. What should my profile look like? My about section, I threw some things in there. If you're getting in front of hiring managers, you better make sure that thing is spit shined. Because as soon as a hiring manager gets your resume, first thing they do is go to LinkedIn. The very first thing. And what does your LinkedIn look like? How are you showing up on LinkedIn? And if you haven't dusted that baby off in a while, you probably need to call me. Um, but truly, you need to work on your LinkedIn and then your content that you put out on LinkedIn. So 900 million users of LinkedIn. Let that soak in. 900 million. 4% are posting. That's all. That's it? So if you, uh-huh. so if you post, you're going to be seen by a ton of people. However, are you posting the right things? This is not Facebook. This is not Instagram. This is not a, oh my gosh, look at what I did lately. Or I've got this on sale. You'll be like blackballed on LinkedIn. That's not how LinkedIn works. And the algorithms are different. The number of hashtags, it's very specific. How many you should have, how you don't want too few. And you certainly don't want too many. So there are so many different rules and people go, I don't know what to do here. Well, that's where during the pandemic, I educated myself, went through basically a year long course. And now I coach other people on LinkedIn or I write content for them or I help them with their content. That's linear, right? So mm-hmm. I that's another income stream that I have. I do the work and then I get paid. So those different buckets, figure out what are you passionate about? So for me, I'm passionate about health and wellness. There's one bucket with my um, social selling business called Arbon. I have another bucket and that would be storytelling. And I love telling stories through writing books and podcasting, right? That's going to be another bucket. I've got a bucket as well for my linear work, right? So LinkedIn work, again, storytelling, teaching people, educating people how that works. So I have different buckets along with, we do have a rental property and we also do have, you know, the 401ks and the, et cetera. My goal was seven streams because that's what most millionaires have. Why not me? Yeah. Why not? Why not? And it's not like you have to put in 40 hours a week on each one of them. That, I mean, no. residual income is awesome. Yes, um, that's exactly right. Yeah, because yeah. I've actually, a long time ago, I worked with a candle company at drug sales. And then six years ago, I started with uh, Essential Oils Company. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I tell people, like, if you're passionate about a product, you should sell it, you know, get yes. into that. You get business training. You know, I went from being a nurse to now I'm a business owner and, you know, nursing's done now. <laughs> so now I'm an aromatherapist. So, I mean, it's, they're not these horrible things that people kind of make them out to be, you know, sometimes. So, well, yeah. and a lot of times it's just a uh, lack of education. Yes. So, you know, I, and here's something funny when it comes to network marketing, I was the biggest anti, like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm not going to get in some scheme or scam or pyramid or Ponzi yeah. or what it, you know. I, so as a journalist, we're like the ultimate skeptics. What I learned was um, if you have a, if you find a business that pays you on product, 
It's not going to be a pyramid, by the way. If you have a business right. where you can make more money than the person who brought you in, it's not a pyramid, right? So the, those are the questions you need to look into. Um, I personally like businesses where you don't move up based on recruiting, where you move up instead on sales, because I love to share things that I'm passionate about, like, you know, fun earrings. I'm like, okay, I got this at this cute little store called Painted Tree. And then three of my friends go to Painted Tree and buy the earrings. Mm -hmm. Well, they don't pay me for it. Bummer, right? But yeah. that's what marketing is. They, we, it's word of mouth advertising. We send someone to our website or to the company's site. They purchase it. They can get a discount and we get a kickback. It's a brilliant business model. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. So I totally am with you there. <laughs> so will you tell us where we can find you if anyone wants to learn more or get in touch with you? I know you have a beautiful website website because I was just on it. Um, so tell oh, us what you. that is and where we can find you. Absolutely. Well, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. So if you're scared to death to do anything on LinkedIn, go to LinkedIn and send me a message, right? So that's one of the keys. When you connect with someone, always send them a message. People miss that step. But you can send me a message and say, I heard you on the podcast. I'm getting back on LinkedIn. Like, what do I do now? So always connect with me on LinkedIn because that's where you'll find me most days. My website, you can click the little book now and just you know connect with me that way. We can have a little 15 minute Zoom chat or we can um, just send me an email. But my website is sarahdavenport.net. Think of net like news, right? Sure. Uh, so sarahdavenport.net and that's my website. Awesome. And we will put that, those links in the show notes as well. Um, and do you, can you share us with us the name of your podcast that's starting? That is still a little bit under wraps, but I'm going to tell okay. you, it's going to be all about real reporters telling the real stories of what goes on behind the scenes of TV news. So I gave you kind of like a little glimpse of what all that is. And then also talking about how they've pivoted out and what they do now. And, you know, talking about and it goes along with what you're speaking to, that power of the pivot, that you don't have to be tied down to one job forever. There's so many other things out there. Yeah, I love that. And I was going to mention that too. I love that you don't have to do what everyone is telling you to do. You, you have options, you have choices. And that is my one message. If nobody hears anything else when I talk, that's what I want them to know. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Sarah, before we say goodbye, is there any one last little nugget of information or advice you want to share with our listeners? I would probably piggyback on what you just said. And I've mentioned it before. You can pivot when you're 20. You can pivot when you're 30, when you're 40, when you're 50, when you're 60. You have one life to live. This isn't a dress rehearsal. This isn't like, oh, well, you know, when you're 70, you go, oh, well, let's try it again. No, one life. So do it now. Stop procrastinating. Give it a shot. Wayne Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? You're, it's not going to happen if you don't try. So why not? What's the worst thing that can happen? It doesn't work out for you? Great. Pivot again. Try something else. Doesn't work out for you? Great. Pivot again. That's the beauty that you have, especially today in this year, when we have so many options in front of us, get off of Netflix, put down the food and the drink and go after your dream. Use those 24 hours you have a day wisely. I cannot add any more to that. So I love that. Thank you so much, Sarah. I hope you have a great day and we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Midlife with Courage. I hope that it has inspired and motivated you to live your best life. 
I'm Kim Benoit, a retired registered nurse, a wife, a mom, and now a certified aromatherapist. To learn more about my story and to get some tools to help you on your health and wellness journey, please go to my website, www.midlifewithcourage.com. You'll find lots of great information there. And if you would like to, go ahead and subscribe to my newsletter so that you are always up to date on what's happening. I promise not to bombard you. I usually send out a newsletter once, maybe twice a month. So check that out. Until next time, take care of your beautiful self and I'll talk to you soon.